What is going on, everybody? Welcome back. Raise the apple. We got Tom Brady as a seven-time Super Bowl champ. We got lots of news in the baseball world to talk about, including the Mets potentially getting a new third baseman based on some rumors. Trevor Bauer has a new home, and he also had to issue, well, didn't have to, issued an apology to Mets fans. We're going to talk about all of it today. Let's dive right into it. Uh, first of all is Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer is going to the Dodgers on a three-year deal worth just over $100 million. It is front-loaded money, so he will get $40 million this year and the following year. Uh, there's an opt-out after each year, so he very well could be a free agent again next offseason. I doubt he will, but he will be the highest-paid player in Major League Baseball in 2020. Wow, that is... And the Mets offered him even more than what the Dodgers gave him. Say what you want about Bauer. He's overrated. He's a jerk. This and that. You could say it was a Mickey Mouse Cy Young. Regardless, his 2020 season was incredible. I mean, I know what, yes, I understand it was a shortened season. But at the rate he was going, I wouldn't have been surprised if he was, if he kept that up for a full 162. It was absolutely amazing to watch. And I think, I don't know if he'll continue that in L.A. I mean, everyone their project, the projections on uh, fan graphs and baseball reference and all that, the projections have him posting the ERA just over four. So they don't anticipate him repeating his success from last year. But, again, it's just a proje- projection. You never really know what you're going to get. It sucks that the Mets lost out on Bauer. Uh, the Dodgers now have a rotation. It'll fe- uh, feature Kershaw, Bueller, Bauer, uh, Julio Arias, and David Price will be back after he opted out in the 2020 season. That's a really good rotation now. A really awesome one, two, three. But for the Mets, I honestly, I try and be as unbiased as I can, unbiased baseball fan as much as I can. But I really do think without, even without Bauer, the Mets rotation is definitely up there as one of the best in the league, and I definitely think they can go toe-to-toe with the Dodgers. Right now, the rotation stands at DeGrom, Stroman, Syndergaard, Carrasco, and David Peterson. Obviously, Syndergaard won't be back till probably May or June-ish, recovering from Tommy John. So Joey Lucchesi will probably be inserted in the rotation as the fifth starter until that time. But I really do think the Mets rotation can go head-to-head with the Dodgers. If you're in a playoff series, if it's Mets and Dodgers, Game one's probably going to be DeGrom and Kershaw. Game two's going to probably be Bueller versus Thor. Or Bauer may get Game 2. But I, if it lines up right, a potential playoff matchup could be Bauer and Marcus Stroman. Tell me that wouldn't be amazing for baseball. Bauer versus Stroman, you'd have the ultimate smack talk swag fest on the mound. You got Bauer with his antics, Stroman with his antics. That would be amazing to watch in a playoff game. And New York State, at least, uh, has allowed or is allowing February 23rd fans at right now 10% capacity at sporting events and a max of 10,000. And if we're getting to that point now, by the end of the MLB season, who knows, maybe we'll be able to have close to full stadiums. Mm -hmm. Imagine 
uh, playoff baseball in New York City with Stroman versus Bauer and Mets fans hating Bauer right now, oh, that would be awesome. But again, it sucks losing out on Bauer. Was I expecting the Mets to land Bauer? Actually, yeah, because they didn't get Real Muto, they didn't get Springer, but Bauer has been linked to the Mets the entire offseason. I was expecting the Mets, I didn't really think the Mets were going to get Real Muto. I was expecting the Mets to land either Springer or Bauer. It was more likely, everyone really thought the Mets were going to land Bauer because there was mutual interest in the need for the Mets. There was definitely, everyone was pointing signs to Bauer's going to be a Met. And the Dodgers kind of came in kind of under the radar because the Angels were a favorite, the Blue Jays were a favorite, Mets were a favorite, and then the Dodgers were kind of there. And now they get their guy and Bauer. And if you're a Dodgers fan, you have to be pumped about this. You saw all the moves the Padres are making, and you were like, what the heck are we doing here? And now they get Bauer. I mean, did you really think the Dodgers were going to sit there and watch the Padres make all these moves, adding Snell and Darvish, and not make something else in return? Come on. The Dodgers are the defending champs for a reason. They've won. They've been winning the past decade for a reason. They know what they're, They know what's up. And for, to add Bauer to the mix is just a great get for the Dodgers. But... If you're a Mets fan, it kind of stings. Mets fans feel like they were used, uh, which is understandable to an extent. So what happened, for those of you who didn't see, was the day that Bauer signed with the Dodgers, everyone was talking about, uh, oh, Bauer's got till a noon deadline from the Mets. Then it came out he doesn't have a noon deadline for the Mets. Then his website apparently leaked Mets merchandise, which meant everyone, which everyone thought that meant he was going to sign with the Mets. Then shortly after, that was taken down and Dodgers merchandise was put up. Then that was taken down and then his site crashed. And Twitter was a dumpster fire. Twitter was amazing for those like four or five hours of the Trevor Bauer saga. And honestly, if you're a Mets fan and you're upset you didn't land Bauer because of that, I mean, that's understandable. But if you're upset you didn't the Mets didn't land Bauer because, oh, the LOL Mets... You can't, even though they missed out on Springer and Bauer and Real Muto, you can't deny that the Mets have had one of the best off seasons they've ever had, and have also had probably one of the best off seasons in the league this year, up there with the Padres. You know they've got their catcher in James McCann, who I compare a lot to Wilson Ramos in terms of production offensively, and I do think McCann is a great upgrade defensively over Ramos. As much as I love Wilson Ramos, they traded for the best shortstop in baseball in Francisco Lindor. They got Carlos Carrasco in that deal as well, who wasn't a throw-in. He wasn't a throw-in piece. That was a great get for the rotation. They've also added Trevor May, Lucchesi, Jordan Yamamoto. They added uh, some minor league depth, as we'll talk about in a little bit in a recent trade. The Mets have had a very new ownership it's been a great offseason for the Mets. You can't deny that. You know, it's, it would have been nice to land these guys, yes, but we can't get greedy. I know the Mets offered Bauer more, and in theory it would say, well, why wouldn't Bauer take more money? For, for a guy like Bauer, it's not just about the money. What people don't realize about Trevor Bauer and the interviews I've watched of him and watching his YouTube channel and all that stuff, people underestimate 
how freaking smart Trevor Bauer is. He knows exactly what he's doing, no matter what it is. He knows exactly what he's doing. And people are underestimating that. Uh, it was, like I said last time, it drives, it was driving these beat writers nuts that no one could get anything out of Bauer or his agent, Rachel Luba. They couldn't get anything out of him over where he was going. It was driving them nuts. And props to him. He knew exactly what he was doing. But, like I said, Bauer did release an apology overall to Mets fans personally about all the uh, media stuff with the jerseys and all the signed hats and all that. I didn't think it was necessary for him to apologize, but he did. Uh, here's, I want to read, he left a giant thread on Twitter. It was just after the Super Bowl. And I want to read it word for word for you guys because for those of you who didn't see it, or I just want to make sure I get everything in it. Mets fans, I owe you an explanation and apology. My intention this entire offseason was to engage with fans in ways that made the offseason and free agent process more interesting, which I think he did a very good job of doing. I woke up early on Friday not knowing what my decision would be and spent the next five hours on the phone with my representation team trying to figure that out. I wasn't on social media or my website as my marketing and digital team was managing both at the time, so I didn't see what happened until after the fact. I've taken some time over the last two days to figure it out, and I take full responsibility for the mistakes outlined below. In the spirit of transparency, here's what happened. Throughout the free agency process, my team prepared marketing materials for multiple organizations as I didn't know where or when I would sign. In order to be prepared for a moment that could materialize very quickly, we had unloaded, uploaded many of those to my website on the back end. The plan was not to have those pages live until decision had been made, which is obviously not what happened. That was the first mistake. The plan was to release a link to my website and the appropriate materials via Linktree on my Instagram page once my decision was finalized. Unfortunately, that link was posted in error well before any decision had been made. That was the second mistake. Understandably, the link was quickly discovered and began to spread on social media. The resulting confusion is understandable and regrettable. My intention was never to mislead your fan base, nor was it to troll you in any way. I had a fantastic time engaging with fans from, from many teams over the last few months, and Mets fans price to be as passionate and energetic a bunch as any. So I offer my serious apologies for how the events Friday played out. I have no control over false media reports stating the contract was in place or that terms have been agreed to, but I do accept responsibility for the errors above. It was an embarrassing and emotional moment for me. For those of you who entered the giveaway, you will be entered into a raffle for, ga for game tickets next time the Dodgers play the Mets and fans are able to be in stadium. I will also be donating $10,000 each to the following New York-based nonprofits. Big Brothers Big Sisters of NYC, STEM Kids NYC, the Get Schooled Foundation, Variety Boys and Girls Club of Queens. I look forward to my next visit to City Field and hope to hear you just as loud in person even if it's not in cheers for me. I mean, props to Bauer. I mean, what else can you say? He didn't have to do that. He did. He's also giving away $10,000 to each of those charities that I mentioned, or that he mentioned. I mean, people do, what people don't realize anymore, which is kind of sad, is people are human. They do make mistakes. 
you know this obviously some mistakes are bigger than others and they're a bigger deal than others this was a sim this was a mistake that is I personally don't think is as big of a deal as people are making it out to be yeah it's I was upset I thought I fell into it I thought he was going to the Mets too when all that stuff was leaked but the way the media was about Bauer, I was not believing anything about Bauer until him or his agent made it live. You know, all of that stuff going on with the Linktree and the LFGM merch, and then the, the Dodgers merch, and then the Angels merch. Understandably so, someone on his team made a mistake. He corrected it. They owned up to it. They didn't make excuses. They just said, we made a mistake. This is what happened. We got to move on. You know, it sucks that we that it happened that way, but, uh, you know, it can't happen in a perfect storm. You know, Mets fans are now saying, oh, we didn't want Bauer anyway. He was overpriced and all that stuff. Again, you could say how overpriced he was, but he was phenomenal in 2020. And I was actually talking to my brother about this on Super Bowl Sunday. Trevor Bauer did not part. He got a lot his money partially because of the way he pitched. But I do think the media, in my opinion, the media got him that much money. As soon as the World Series ended, everyone was talking about where's Bauer going to go? How much money is he going to get? They talked it up so much, it, pro- it drove indirectly or directly drove his price up. You know, when a guy like Bauer, he's not playing for the money. Well, he is a little bit, but like money's not his top priority. The media drove up his price. And but no, but a lot of people seem to, I guess, overlook that part of it. But again, that's just my opinion. That may not have been what happened. Maybe he was asking for that much. I don't know. I wasn't behind the closed doors meetings he had with teams. But I do think that the media and everybody constantly talking about Bauer drove the price up on what it was going to take to get him to come to their team. The Mets made a huge play for him. They offered him more money than the Dodgers, but he ultimately chose to go home to L.A. I can't say I blame him. Grew up in L.A., grew up watching the Dodgers, went to UCLA. I mean, if I had the opportunity to go home, even if it was for less money, to go home and play in front of home crowds in a familiar setting, I would do it too. I can't really say I blame him. But... Nonetheless, the Mets rotation is still, I still think they're still in play on uh, Jake Odorizzi and Rich Hill and James Paxton and maybe in the trade market, which we're going to talk about now with Kyle Hendricks. The Mets are not in a bad spot in the rotation. Adding Bauer would have been awesome. But we've talked about Bauer for about 15 minutes now. So let's move on to the next little bit, and that is third base slash Kyle Hendricks. The Mets have reportedly resumed talks with the Cubs involving a trade for Chris Bryant. Kyle Hendricks' name has been brought up into it. Same, the Mets have also been in talks with Matt Chapman, or excuse me, the A's about Matt Chapman. If you're the Mets, I'm probably one of the very few Mets fans that's okay with J.D. Davis at third. But if you got the opportunity to add Chris Bryant or Matt Chapman... I doubt Matt Chapman is a very big reach. I doubt the Mets would land Matt Chapman. But getting Chris Bryant, that would be awesome. I think if they could add Chris Bryant, the Mets would probably be, in my opinion, a favorite with the Dodgers. I fully I would anticipate them being regarded as a World Series favorite with the Dodgers. 
and the Yankees. You, it's hard to overlook that team if they had Chris Bryant. Even without Chris Bryant, it's hard to overlook the Mets with how much excitement has generated this offseason. But I don't anticipate a Chris Bryant trade being made, mostly because if the trade were to happen, if it's Chris Bryant and Kyle Hendricks or just Chris Bryant, J.D. Davis is probably going back to the Cubs in, in exchange. The Cubs are going to want prospects, probably. The common name that's been brought up is Francisco Alvarez, who's one of the top Mets prospects who the Mets aren't really willing to part ways with, but that's who the Cubs are going to want. Another minor leaguer or a major league pitching arm might be in the deal. The Mets prospect list is very thin, so it may part way with some major league talent. Maybe a Jairus Familia or a Dylan Batansis may go back in the trade. Very interesting to see what happens with that. Um, I'm not antis- I'm not sold on the Mets landing Chris Bryant. I would love if the Mets could get him, but a deal very well could be in place. And knowing my luck, just like the Bauer stuff, as soon as I upload this, the Mets would make a trade for Chris Bryant. Just like I upload the Bauer stuff last week, and a few hours later, Bauer signs with the Dodgers. But again, is J.D. Davis great defensively? No, but I think offensively he did great. Defense wasn't, he wasn't awful at defense. He was average, maybe slightly below, slightly above, depending how you look at it. I thought he filled the, the hole nicely, and offensively, it was a steal of a trade, if you ask me, but a lot can happen. You know, the, We're still uh, 48 days away from opening day. G.D. Davis could be playing third. It could be Chris Bryant. It could be Matt Chapman. I mean, who knows? I doubt I would. I'm scared to know what Oakland's going to want want in return for Matt Chapman. They're going to want a lot, and rightfully so. Matt Chapman, probably one of the more underrated guys in baseball. And you got five days until pitchers and catchers report now. So a lot a lot can happen. You know, the offseason is still far from over. You got the extension talks with Lindor and Conforto. You got potentially trading for Chris Bryant. But the Mets are done in the free agency market. They're moving more towards trades if they need to. They added two more depth pieces in their last little bit of free agency. They've signed Albert Almora and Jonathan Villar to one-year deals. They've DFA'd Corey Oswalt and Brad Brock in response to those moves, both of which are great gets. Almora is a great complement to Nimmo. Average bat, amazing defense out in center field as we've seen with the Cubs. He'll most likely be off the bench, but I wouldn't be surprised if he uh, played some, got some playing more playing time than people are expecting. VR, same thing. VR had a not great year last year. He was decent in Miami, then got traded to Toronto and was awful. Now he's with the Mets, he's played left field, center field, mostly plays in the infields, played third, short, and second. He played all 162 for the Orioles back in 2019, where he hit over 20 homers, had over 70 RBIs. Very, very slept on year he had in 2019. I wouldn't be surprised if the DH is implemented and the Mets roster stays put, if somehow the DH is implemented. I wouldn't be surprised if maybe J.D. Davis or Don Smith moves to a DH role 
and then VR gets everyday time uh, in the field at third or maybe in left. He stole 62 bags a few years ago. He stole 40 in 2019. He provides much-needed speed to the lineup that Luis Rojas can go to late in games. I think this was a great, great addition. The bench right now most li- is most likely going to stand with Jonathan VR, Albert, Albert Almora, Tomas Nito, Jose Martinez, and Luis Guillorme. I think that is a great bench. One of the better Mets benches we've had in a long, long time. Got speed, versatility all over the diamond. It's hard not to be excited about this Mets team. It's, I mean, the projections have them winning the East with ease at 96 game, 96 wins. I think that's a little generous. I see them hovering around the 91 mark. But I wouldn't be surprised if they were pushing 100 wins. If they were... Uh, if I looked at those projections, if I remember them correctly, the Dodgers and I think the Yankees. Yankees I'm unsure of. Definitely the Dodgers, though. Were the only two teams they had getting 100 wins. They had the Mets next closest pushing 100 wins with 96. I think that may be a little bit of a stretch if I'm being realistic. It all dependent on that bullpen. If the bullpen shows up, I don't doubt that that team can win 96 games. But during spring training, we'll talk more about specific predictions. I see them around the 91 mark. Uh, I do see the Braves being a huge threat, which transitions us out of Mets news and into MLB news. The Braves also... Uh, sticking around as they have re-signed Marcelo Zuna to a four-year deal. This was huge. It would have been disappointing if the Braves did not keep Ozuna. Ozuna hit 338 with 18 homers, 56 RBIs, finished sixth in the MVP voting, played all 60 games, was huge in the postseason for them. If you ask me, it was a no-brainer to bring back Ozuna. The DH kind of messes with the Braves lineup a little bit not having the DH as of now but Ozuna's bat is just too good it's I think the Braves are more than willing to sacrifice a little bit of defense in left field to have Ozuna's bat in the lineup I've been saying it all offseason the NL East is going to be so much fun to watch in 2021 you got the Mets and Braves going to battle it out. Don't count out the Nationals. Don't count out the Phillies either. The Phillies are getting underrepresented. Everybody sees them around 500, not really competing. But if you ask me, Bryce Harper is similar to Tom Brady in the fact that I would not doubt Bryce Harper. You know, like, I picked my personal pick in the Super Bowl was the Packers. I had the Packers winning it all. But I should have known better to bet against Tom Brady. Now, I'm not putting Bryce Harper in the same realm as Tom Brady. But Bryce Harper, I think, is one of those guys that you're going to regret betting against him. I think they have... They're kind of flying under the radar. Their pitching, yes, is weaker. But I think their offense is just too good. I don't see them competing for the division. But I see them being in the wild card mix. Maybe around 500 is probably where they'll be. But the way the National League was last year, 500 may very well get you into the playoffs. So the Phillies will certainly be interesting to watch. The Nationals will be the Nationals and always be around. The Braves and Mets, though, are going to be going head-to-head all year. And they, all these projections have the the, Bra- the Mets beating out the Braves. 
I would love to see that. I don't know if that's going to happen, but uh, time will tell. Next bit of MLB news is a trade between the Rangers and the A's. Kind of an out-of-nowhere move. Elvis Andrews is going to the A's. Uh, Texas is sending Andrews, catcher Aramis Garcia, and $13.5 million to the A's in exchange for DH Chris Crush. I call him Crush. Chris Davis, catcher Jonah Heim, and right-hander Dane Acker. Obviously, the big names in this trade are Andrews and Chris Davis. Uh, Texas Rangers said apparently and f- said that Andrews wasn't guaranteed to be the start- starting shortstop, so they decided to move him. The A's fill the hole at short since Simeons is with the Blue Jays. The Rangers get a DH. Uh, I cannot wait to watch Chris Davis and Joey Gallo hit absolute bombs every night. That'll be so much fun to watch. But, uh, excuse me, Elvis Andrews is the only player remaining from the world two World Series appearance, two World Series appearances the Rangers have had. They got David Freeze in 2011. Uh, they lost to the Cardinals in 2013. That magical Cardinals, not 2013, 2011. They lost to the Giants in 2010. That was my bad. That car, The last remaining guy from those teams, he will be a nice fit in Oakland, and I think Davis will be a great fit in Texas. It was just one of those moves for me where it's kind of like, it was kind of out of nowhere, kind of weren't expecting, kind of wondering why that trade was made. But I think it benefits both sides greatly. I think Oakland's in a good spot still. You know, Andrews, I think, is a great addition. I don't count the A's out of competing for the division title or in the playoffs. They also brought back Mike Fires. They did lose Liam Hendricks. They did lose Simeon. But, you know, they have Matt Chapman, Matt Olson, Ramon Lariano. Now they add Andrews. They bring back Fires. I'm not counting out the A's at all. It is an interesting trade that they're willing to get rid of Chris Davis, but Chris Davis did not have a good year last year. Injuries played part in that. But um, the AL West is certainly very much in their grasp. I don't count them out at all. Texas is still in the rebuilding mode. Not as bad of a rebuilding mode as the Pirates. Oh, man. Sorry, Pirates fans. That's embarrassing. But nonetheless, a great trade on both sides. The last trade we'll talk about today and the last bit of news to talk about today, Andrew Benintendi is on the move. This is a wow move. Red Sox are sending Andrew Benintendi and an unspecified amount of cash to the Royals. In exchange, they, the Red Sox received outfielder Franchi Cordero, two players to be named later. They also, like I mentioned in the beginning, the Mets were involved in this. The Mets are sending... A player to be named later, and right-hander Josh Winkowski, who was in the Steven Matz trade, he's going to Boston. The Mets received outfield prospect Khalil Lee from the Royals. For the Mets, this was a great trade. They gave up virtually nothing. They get Khalil Lee, who is a top 10 prospect in the Royals system. I believe he was number 8, if I'm not mistaken. He's 22 years old. He's borderline major league ready. He can run. Highly regarded. 
in the Mets farm system, as we all know, is not at a great spot. I think adding Lee is a great addition, no-brainer get, and costs them virtually nothing. For the Royals, they get a star in Benintendi, still young, is the last remaining piece of that outfield from 2018 of Benintendi, JBJ, and Mookie. For the Reds, this was it was a great get for the Royals. They continue to rebuild. Now they got a star, Benintendi and Whit Merrifield, that they can build around. Things are slowly starting to turn around in Kansas City, but things are getting better. As long as they can, you know, find guys that can pitch, maybe. But the Red Sox, they do get... Franchi Cordero, they do get all said and done three players to be named later, and Josh Winkowski. They do lose Benintendi, but the rumors are that the Red Sox are now the favorite to re-sign Jackie Bradley Jr., which was not expected at all. But now trading away Benintendi, now they're the favorite to re-sign JBJ. The Red Sox, in my opinion, are the AL version of the Reds. They're in a spot and they're making moves where you're kind of like, what are they doing? Are they trying to compete? Are they trying to fine-tune? Are they selling out completely? Like, what are they doing? It seems more, though, in the Red Sox case, they are rebuilding a little bit. But, I, they're again, they're like the AL version of the Reds. You're kind of like, where, what are they, what direction are they heading? No one really has an idea. They did, They are getting Chris Sale back. They brought in Garrett Richards. They still have Bogart's endeavors on the left side of the infield. They've added Hunter Renfro as well. If they bring back JBJ, their offense does not they've added Kike Hernandez. Their offense does not look terrible. It's their pitching that's the question mark, but with Chris Saleback, I'm sure that'll settle it down. And Matt Barnes at the back end of the bullpen. But I was very I'm very interested to see where the Red Sox had, along with the Reds. I just don't really know what direction they're both going in. But again, that's why Bloom is getting paid the big bucks to make those decisions. I'm sitting here talking about it. So obviously they have a plan. I'm not doubting the Red Sox. You know, they're one of the most historical franchises in sports. I would never doubt them in terms of being a re- being relevant. Uh, I don't see them contending for a postseason spot this year, but I certainly see them, uh, I guess, surprising expectations, making a lot more of an impact that people are going to give credit for. But the last little bit today is a new segment I'm going to do uh, this day in baseball history. And this today it's actually Mets-related. Uh, that wasn't planned, but Henry on this day in 2016 in baseball history, Henry Mejia became the first player to receive a lifetime ban for three failed PED tests. He tested positive for uh, boldenone, if I said that correctly, which is a steroid used for horses. Henry Mejia was—he's back in baseball. He's been reinstated. He was with the Red Sox for a little bit, but now he's in the Mexican League. Henry Mejia was not awful with the Mets. He had an ERA of about, uh, combined ERA in the mid-threes. He was great closer. We remember the Mejia stomp at City Field. 
and it kind of sucked when he first got suspended and then the Mets got rid of him because he was he did exceed a lot of expectations during the early 20 the 20 you know 10 through like 2014 when he was with the Mets Mejia did not have a bad Mets career uh he I mean obviously the PED stuff ruins all that but Henry Mejia what a great what a fun guy to watch, you know, with his ant- his antics on the mound after games, with his Mejia stomp and like the fishing line. If you remember that one, oh, I wish he did. I just wish he didn't make poor decisions. But you know, I'm not him. And that's gonna wrap it up for today's episode of Raise the Apple. Uh, we talked about the Mets, Trevor Bauer, Marcelo Zuna getting a new home, Chris Davis and Elvis Andrews switching places, Andrew Benintendi's getting a new home. Lot covered today, a lot of Trevor Bauer stuff going on. And make sure, you know, you do all the good stuff. Like, comment, share, subscribe. Make sure you follow on social media, RTA underscore pod. Five days until pitchers and catchers report. We are almost there. Almost at spring training. During spring training, we'll have an episode talking about predictions for the Mets and the rest of the league and uh, predictions and records, playoffs, World Series, all that stuff. Maybe the Mets make a play for Chris Bryant. Maybe they don't. Maybe they stay in put. We'll have to see. They may, they'll probably, I would assume, maybe add another starter in some way. But time will tell. Uncle Steve hasn't failed us yet. So thank you for tuning in. That's going to wrap it up. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And we'll see you next time. Let's go Mets.